All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, that's right, right there at the, at the beginning. Uh, it, it may be page 2. In my Bible, it is page 2 into page 3. But we are continuing on in our series right now on uh, the foundations. Uh, we, we've called it Foundations, What Matters to Us. We're in week 6. We've got this week, and then we have two more weeks. Um, of, uh, of this series, and um, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be looking at the doctrine of sin. Now remember why we do this. Why is it, it, we, we have to understand why it is so important that we go over things like this. Oh, the doctrine of sin. No, you know, I know everybody's sinful. And I, yes, but what happens is there's so much confusion about really what is sin, what is not sin. Uh, there's some contradictions uh, uh, because, well, it's sin for them, but it's not sin for, for other people. Hopefully we'll clear some of that up today. Um, we're not going to go through a list of sins. We're not going to do the seven deadly sins or, or, or anything like that. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at what sin is, what we believe as a church. And really, this is, this is one of those that, that, um, doctrines that, that overflows into all of Christianity. If you are a Bible-believing Christian, you would believe this doctrine as well. So the doctrine states this. This is our, our, our statement. Uh, the doctrine of sin. We believe that sin has fractured all things, leaving the world in desperate need of salvation. Uh, I, I think that, that I know this is in English, but I still think that I love when, when Jake translates the Greek word for all for us. What, what, is it, what does all mean in, in, in Greek? All. all. It means everything. It encompasses everything. So all things are fractured. Now, why do we stress that? I, I think it's important that... Um, when we're talking about sin, we see how sin um, affects all things. Sin affects our relationship with God, and I'm not, this isn't a spoiler alert because it, it, it's, I'm hoping that we, we understand this, but we're going to talk about how sin affects our relationship with God, but it also affects our relationships with one another. And that doesn't mean it has to be a grotesque sin or a grotesque thing to affect a relationship. No, sin fractures. And I like to say sin separates. Sin separates. And I think it's important um, to, to, to look at what sin is and um, you know, the, the result and everything of it. Uh, big idea for today. You got that right there in, in your notes. Uh, I, I think this, is, this helps us, will, will give us a road map of, of where we're going. Um, and uh, uh, hopefully we, we have, arrive at a destination that is profitable for, for you all. Big idea. Because of the reality of sin, understanding the result and response to it is essential for all humanity. Again, understanding this is, it's, it, this is essential. Because of the reality of sin, the result and the response to it, it's essential. Not, it's not just essential for us. When I say us, it's not just essential for believers. No, this is essential for all humanity. Because when we understand better the doctrine of sin and how sin has fractured, we can better understand the world. Now, what is that, what is that called? That's called a Christian worldview. What we're doing is I'm helping you develop even further a, a way to w in which we can look at what's going on in the world. Big, big thing in the news right now, the coronavirus, right? And that's not just a hangover. Some of you are like, ah. No, actually, I, I stole that from Jake. So I, it doesn't matter if you don't laugh about it. That, that was his dumb joke. Um, but, yeah. So, but, but, no, the coronavirus we can look at, is it very real? Yeah, it's a very real thing. But just something, something as simple, and I'm not saying simple as simple as if that's not essential or something like that. Something as simple as that, we can look at that, and what we can see is, or what we can understand is that um, it, sin is involved in that mess. I'm not saying how it was transmitted and, you know, people doing rats stuff and throwing, I don't know how, whatever, however it was. All I'm saying is God didn't design the world where diseases were or, or to, to uh, um, cause panic and, and chaos and everything. That is a result of sin. That is a result of a fracture between, um, uh, or a fracture of nature. Uh, and I love how Kurt in the um, service, or in the 
small group this morning in the Forge talked about how, uh, even Paul talks about it in Romans, how creation groans for this restoration um, from uh, you know, the, this fallen, fractured world uh, that sin has invaded. So, uh, I, what I want to do is uh, look at three different parts. And I say parts because I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say that these are aspects because they're not. I think that they're just three parts of the reality of what sin is. Uh, and that the first one is the reality of sin. I think that when we look at sin, we don't just need to say, "Oh, it's a three-letter word," and you know, everyone sins. Yes, yes, everyone sins. Under, I totally understand that. But we have to look at the reality of sin. What sin is, because it's not just. And when I say this, hear me on this, it's not just doing bad things. Or it's not just failing at something. There's so much more that's involved in what sin is. Because I can fail at something and not be a sin. What do you mean? I can fail at running a marathon, and it's not because I'm sinful, it's just because I'm lazy and fat. Amen, right? I mean, out of shape. But so, so, so don't think that failure is a sin. Now! As we're going to see, failure to abide by God's law, absolutely. What, what, we, what I think is important is what we try to do is we try to put categories upon everything. It's black and it's white. Yes, there are some very black and white moments that we see in, in Scripture. And we can categorize, well, this is a sin and this is a sin. Well, this is not a sin. But, but what we have to understand is we have to take a step back and we have to look at what is sin? What, is, what, what, what do we define? What does the Bible define sin as? And I think that that's what we're, um, what we're going to uh, better understand today by reading um, the, the, the passage here in, in Genesis chapter 3. So the, the first fill-in there for you is the reality of sin. I want to talk about the reality of sin. Let's, let's look at Genesis chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman... Now wait. When we, when we talk about the serpent, um, Revelation talks about how uh, the serpent that is identified here is identified as Satan. Um, now, was this, how, why did he talk? And I don't know. I don't, you never trust any reptile, especially a snake or something. But uh, understand that, that, that this is a clear picture of, of Satan entering into creation to corrupt what God had created. So uh, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, If, if a snake talks to you, ladies, run. Just saying. Because if, if a snake comes near me, I'm running. Right? He's seen, yeah. Dan has provoked it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of you in here that have seen that. I, 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 left, I left my wife and my baby daughter. Um, no, I, just, I took her with me. Yeah, I grabbed, I grabbed her. Uh, my wife and my baby, and, and I grabbed my baby. This was, my, ba- my baby's getting, graduating, right? She's, so she was just a, a little tiny baby and ran. We were down in, when we lived in North Carolina. Yeah, I ran past her up, up the hill because there was a, man, there was, it was like an anaconda on this, on the, this path. And she's like, where are you going? I, I didn't even have the breath. and I didn't want to waste my breath warning my, my wife because I needed to save that to get back up the hill. Um, so, yes, I, I am. I am. I have a phobia of, of, of snakes. It is. I, it, just, it is what it is. So do not, do not, do not think about any ideas because I know some of your fears as well. You try to mess with me, I, I get you back. I'm good at those games. So uh, the serpent here, uh, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, why don't you talk to a snake? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, 
she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, what is sin? What we see here is, and this is a side note, um, I I hate this argument that people say, well, it's all Eve's fault. It's it's not all Eve's fault. Well, she took of the fruit. Where was Adam? Right beside her. What should Adam have done? Wow! I don't know about that, but... He should have done the same thing I did and ran. Ran fast and hard to get away. And, 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 but, but what Adam should have done, what I didn't do, was grab his wife's hand and take her with, with, with right? So, but but the, the, the argument is, well, it's, Eve, it's Eve's fault. Eve was deceived. But, but the Bible is clear that Adam was right there and, and um, also goes in to uh, explain that, that, that sin is... is uh, or that sin came into the world through one man. Uh, Romans chapter 5, in your own time, go there this week and, and read um, where, where Paul's talking about how sin entered into the world through one man and is passed on from Adam through all generations, from the seed of Adam to us sitting here. So we all have this sin nature that, that started way back in, in, into the, or way back in the garden. But what we can't do is we can't say, oh, it's all her fault. No, it's not. Adam was there. He was just as guilty. What was he just as guilty of? This is what I want to give you as the definition of sin. He was guilty of, they were guilty of a rebellion against God. So sin is rebellion against God by living in disregard for Him and what He requires. What is it? What is it that God required of Adam and Eve. Obedience, yeah, right, but let's even go even simpler than that. What, what, what did God, what was, the, what was God's law to them? Don't eat of the fruit. Don't you wish it was that simple? Okay, there, here's the deal. I'm going to create you and give you everything that you need. I'm going to provide for every one of your needs, but I have one rule for you. Don't eat this. Don't do this. What did they do? Exactly what God told them not to do. They chose to do that. That was open rebellion. That's what sin is. It's rebelling against God. Now, but you know what? It's not really, you know, I sinned against, against my wife, or I sinned against... No, 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 no. All sin is first against God. All sin... That's why when, when people are talking about it's not that big of a sin, it's just a little, a little sin. Not compared to, well, you know what he did? You know what she, she, she's been doing? No, 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 I, I don't care. Not, not, not that I don't care, I do care. I want to I help there. But in, in the, the eyes of, of, of us, we, we try to measure sin. We look at this from a horizontal view and like, well, this one's greater than, than this one. No, God looks at sin from, from this vertical view. He looks down and he sees it's all the same. All sin is against God. And, and it's, it's, it's rebellion against what He, um, not only what He says, but who He is. I think this is the, 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 the point in which people miss so much is it's not as if God is sitting in, in heaven wanting to judge people on their every behavior. It's God is holy and He's righteous and He's just. His nature is to be uh, is separated from sin. But he's created this, he has this creation, and the pinnacle of this creation is mankind, man and woman, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. So it is, or actually last week, his pinnacle is his creation, but what they're doing is in opposition, is rebellion to his nature. God bless you. What we have to understand is like, so when sin happens, it's a rebellion against who God is. That's why. God just can't turn the other way when, when it comes to sin. I'll just turn the other cheek and act like it didn't happen. No, it, it, it doesn't work that way. It, 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 is, it is against, it is an antithesis. It's anti, it's against God's nature to sin. God himself cannot sin. He cannot provoke anyone to sin. That's a huge thing that we need to understand too. God doesn't cause anyone to sin. 
Nor does God create, is, is, is God the creator of evil. That's another big thing. People say, well, you know, when you talk about sin, you talk about evil, and it's kind of, you know, they kind of group them together. Sin is the act of rebellion. Evil is a product of that action. So sin is an act of rebellion. It's that I'm rebelling against God, or somebody's rebelling against God. What that produces is evil. So God didn't cause, God didn't make anybody, whatever, didn't make them sin, didn't cause evil to, to happen. What God did, and this is the question which people then ask, well, why did God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden. Notice it says in the midst of the garden. It wasn't on the outskirts of the garden. It wasn't back in a corner. It says in the midst. Some of your translations might even say in the center. In the midst of the garden was this tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he said don't touch. Well, why did he even put the tree in the garden in the first place? Well, I think that um, when we understand love, we understand this better. Why did God put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden in the first place? It's because He gave Adam and Eve a choice to rebel. Well, wait a second. You said that, 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 that God doesn't cause that. No, 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 no. What, what, what He did is He gave them a choice either to um, obey or disobey. The, disobey. the disobedience would be rebellion, would be sin. Did, did God know that he, they were going to... Yeah, God did know that. That's the crazy part in this. Like, God knew what they were going to do, but then God also provided a way because of what they did. Why did God put that in there? It was so that Adam and Eve could have this choice to love God, choose to love God. Well, what, what, what do you mean? Well, God didn't create robots. If God programmed Adam and Eve just... No, they're going to love me. That's not true love. If you're told that you have, it's kind of like your family, right? Well, you know, she's my aunt, so I've got to love her. <laughs> You've been talking to my kids? Um, <laughs> I know you are not. Um, you are, you are, totally. Uh, but the competition isn't that hard. Uh, you just threw me off track, though. Love. <laughs> I got to love my sister because she's my sister, right? <laughs> what we have to understand, though, is God gave them the choice to love, to, to show that, 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 that true, authentic love. So what we have here in the garden is you have a tree of provision. The tree of provision is a tree of life. And then you have a tree of prohibition. I just used P's. That was the easy, you have to do that alliteration thing. So that's what preachers do, right? So you have the tree of provision and you have the tree of prohibition. The tree is going to give life and the tree that's going to cause death. What are you going to choose? Here, the fruit on this tree of the knowledge of good and evil obviously was attractive. But it wasn't just the, the, what was attractive, the, the sight of it. Look, what, look at the enticement and the deception in which um, the, the, the serpent lays on or, or, or communicates to Eve. He says, did God really say? If you get in that conversation with, with somebody, be very careful. Be ve and I'm not saying that this is an automatic. That's why I'm just saying be very careful. If somebody says, well, does the Bible really say you can't do this? Does the Bible really say this? Did God really mean this when He said, just, just be cautious? Because that's how this all started. Did God really say that you can't eat? Well, the reason, you know, Eve, the reason He said this is He really, he really doesn't want what's best for you. I, I know that that's, that's, that's my loose translation of this, but that's essentially what He's saying. God does not want what's best for you. That's what he was telling Eve and Adam and Eve. When, when, when God created them and provided everything, they didn't, they didn't want for anything. Could you imagine a life of not wanting for something? Some of you are like, well, I don't really want for anything. You're a liar. <laughs> we have that in us. Like we, there's, there's always something that we want. There was no want with Adam and Eve. 
God provided everything. He, he caused the provision for everything in which, which they had. But He also gave them a choice. Here, here's, here's, and we call this free will. This choice to choose to do what is right and what his, his way, or to choose to rebel against Him. Now as we look at this, we, we, we understand that, that, that sin, sin entered into the world through this temptation. Again, God is not the author of sin. He did not cause sin. He did not create sin. Sin entered into the world through the temptation of the serpent when he questioned God's word, and then he questioned God's motive. So again, if you, if you, if you get in that conversation, you're, you're having that, and, and somebody's questioning what God... Well, did God really say this? Now, again... <laughs> I think that there's some legitimate arguments that people do have. So don't be the one that has to argue about everything. I'm just saying be cautious. Because we don't want to be deceived. We don't want to fall into the trap of the enemy. Because the, the, the outcome of being, uh, or, or the outcome of sin, and, and hear me, the outcome of sin is an enemy of God. Romans 5, uh, 8 says that God, that, that God shows His love for us that while we were yet sinners, while we were, and even a little bit further before that, it says that we were enemies, so the sinners, these enemies of God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So now, as I'm talking about this, we have to understand the magnitude of what, what sin is, the reality of what sin is, because if we just think, ah, it's just, I'm just doing it my way, I'm just not doing it God's way in this area. No, that, that's sin. That has a, 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 a tremendous uh, result that is attached to it. Go into your, let's go into a, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 8. I keep looking at my watch and it's only like 10.15. I'm like, dang, we're awesome. I feel it. We'll, we might get to the ark today. Um, <laughs> verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Pause for one second. We, we see automatically when, when sin has crept in here, we, we see that they, they, they noticed that they were naked. Does nakedness mean that the sinful? If nakedness means sinful, everybody sins when they get out of the shower. Nakedness does not mean, their nakedness is not sinful. What that is, is this was just a visible understanding, a visible manifestation of seeing their shame and their guilt right before their eyes. But they knew this. Now, when they, 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 it says that they, they fashioned loincloths for, um, to, for the, the coverings. But look what it says after that. When, when, when the Lord appears to walk in the midst of the garden, to walk in the garden, to spend time to commune with His creation... This is a beautiful picture of what, what heaven's going to be like. God created us so we could be in community with Him, in perfect commune with Him. That's what He wants. He, say, he says in, uh, throughout the, the Scripture, but He says in, in, in Revelation that, that I will be their God and they will be my people. God wants that. He, he, he desires to spend eternity with us. But He's not going to force us to do it. So here it says that, that when, when, when the Lord appeared, now some will say, and I, I believe this, this is a, what they call a Christophany or a theophany. All, all, all that means is a, um, an appearing of the pre-incarnate Christ. Meaning before Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, like we just recited in, in, in Apostles' Creed, before He was born of the Virgin Mary, this was a, an appearance of Him in, in, in physical form before that time. Because he, it says he, he comes in and he was walking in the midst of the garden. So obviously there was a, a, a time in which Adam and Eve just kind of strolled with Jesus through the garden. It brings, brings to light even more that, that old hymn in the garden, right? So this is, it's strolling with Jesus in the garden, but this time when, when, when the Lord appeared, Adam and Eve were nowhere to be found. They were, they were hiding. Why were they hiding? They were hiding because of shame. They, they were hiding because now that what had, what had entered into the world was a separation. 
They knew that they were naked. They knew that, 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 that there, there's uh, something in which they, they did wrong. Let's go on. But the Lord God, and it's, it's funny, and it is kind of funny in, in, this, in this tense moment, it's funny that they thought that they can hide from Him. If you ever think that you can hide from the Lord, you can't. I don't care how big the tree is and how small you are, you cannot hide from the Lord. But the Lord, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Another beautiful picture. Another beautiful picture in the midst of their shame and their guilt and their, uh, the, 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 this, the, this travesty that had happened, the, the sin that fractured this relationship. God called to them, where are you? It doesn't say, well, God just threw His hands up in the air and just, just left them to, to deal with what it is that they've done. No, in, in the midst of their sin, God called to them. This is what he says, and he said, he, Adam here, said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afraid. Understand this, the Bible tells us that God does not give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Fear does not come from God. Being afraid does not come from God. What is that? It's a result of sin. Wait a second, now you're stepping on my toes. You were, you're really meddling now, preacher. Well, here's the deal. Fear is the result of sin. The fear, whatever it is you have in your life, is a result. Now, I'm not saying that you were just some sinful individual and you've got to just repent of everything. What I'm saying is figure out what the sin is. You get to the root. You kill the root. The plant will die. Right, Miss Stephanie? You get to the root... I'm no botanist. Even though I could probably kill it like Matt, or what was it, Matt Damon did on that Mars movie, which is an awesome movie. He grew potatoes in space. Anybody watch that? Martian, yeah, Martian movie, yeah. You know the soil he used? Anyhow, it was poo. Uh, but I'm no botanist, but what I do know is if you kill the root of something, the plant can't, can't grow. Think of fear. As, don't think of fear as the root. Think of fear as the plant. The root is whatever sin is attached to that. There was fear here. They were afraid. Why were they afraid? Because they sinned. Let, let's go on. Let's go on. I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. It wasn't because he was naked. Like I don't want to. I didn't want you to see my my stuff. My private parts. He created them. He's seen you in your best, right? He, it wasn't the, the nakedness that he didn't want to say. It was, the nakedness was a cause of what, 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 what took place. That shame, that sin. I hid myself, and I hid myself. He said, this, the Lord said, who told you that you were naked? I love that. He's like, what do you mean? I didn't tell you you were naked. Who told you that you were naked? Wait a second. And I love this. Like, God didn't know. Come on, now. This is, this is that, that little bit of the, that God has a sense of humor. Even in the, the toughest of times, we can see that God wants to relate to us in terms which we can understand. We, we cannot just think, well, God's so big and He's so high and He's so mighty that we can't really understand Him. He communicates to us in our, not even our language, but the way in which we talk. There's a little bit of sarcasm in here, a little bit. Those of you that are sarcastic, Dad, it doesn't mean that you can do it. Where is that? Oh, I see it in the back here. It's God here. This is the Lord, the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? Which is good. I mean, this is interesting because back in chapter 2, verse 17, uh, he, he does command them not to, to eat of, of the tree. He, it, actually, he commands Adam, this is before Eve was, was, was born, or born, created, I should say, before Eve was created, and, and it was Adam's job to communicate to Eve about the necessity, don't touch this tree. Um, I think that's another part of this that we need to be really cognizant of. Maybe Adam didn't do a good enough job, although I think he... I think he added a little bit into the, the command. 
Because what, what did Eve say when the serpent said about, you know, the, about the tree? Eve said, well, we're not allowed to eat of it, nor are we allowed to touch it. God never said you couldn't touch it. I think that Adam, when he was communicating to Eve, he was walking around the garden and saying, oh, this is this, and that's an aardvark. And you know, after he's named all the animals and everything, he, he, he looks at, at this tree and he says, okay, now, out of everything that we have here, we cannot eat of this tree. Better yet, and I think he did that, Better yet, keep your hands off of it. <laughs> Maybe, right? Maybe, I don't, I don't know. I, that's, that's my own speculation there. But, but when, when God himself is communicating here, he says, have you eaten of this tree in which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman. <laughs> it ain't my fault. What are you talking about, God? The woman that you gave me. Don't you wish you could just use that excuse? God, it's, it's, it's the woman. It's, and it's not, just, it's not just the woman. It's the one that you gave me. So not only, not only is, he, is he shifting the blame here on the woman, who else is he shifting the blame to? God. You gave her to me. She's supposed to be my helper and all. Look what kind of help she is. She got me in trouble. Right? The man said, The woman who you gave to me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Verse 13, it just continues here. Then the Lord got, and this is another thing, God's like playing along with this. I, I think that he's, he's rolling his eyes and he's shaking his head, like, All right then. He said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, Well, it was a serpent that deceived me. At least, at least the, 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 the woman here had the discernment not to blame God. I, you have to give that to, to Eve, right? At least she didn't blame God like Adam did. She just, I mean, she did. She blamed the snake. I, I'd blame it too. Kick it along the way. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Look at verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, and on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Look at verse 15. This is huge. What's happening right here is God is pronouncing judgment on, uh, because judgments incur because of sin that enters into the world. First is the judgment on, on, on the serpent here, and this is it. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is what they call the Proto-Evangelion. What that means is the first telling of the gospel. What this is referring to is how the serpent's head is going to be crushed by Satan, or by, by the, the, Satan's head, the serpent, is going to be crushed by what Christ does on the cross. So when people say, well, Jesus, the gospel is not in, in the Old Testament. It is very early in the Old Testament. Chapter 3, verse 15, early. The, 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 the promise is given. Notice that the promise is given in the judgment upon Satan here. Too often what we, we see is we, we, we think of judgments and we think of all bad things coming out of judgments. No, something very good came out of judgment. This judgment came from a just God, a righteous God. He said, because of this that you have done, man... I love that. I love what in Romans 12, and we even said this this morning, but in Romans 12, where Paul says that he's quoting the Old Testament, Testament, what God says, the Lord said, Do not repay evil for evil, because he says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. This is a part of that God's going to judge. Let God be the judge. I mean, Adam could have easily took matters into his own hands, probably something I would have done, and taken a shovel and chopped the head of the snake off. Ha! Right there, I took care of it. God had a greater plan in store to crush the head of the snake, but how the way in which he crushed the head of the snake is by providing salvation for all who receive it. Let's go on. So after the judgment that is incurred on the, uh, on the serpent, it goes to the woman. The Lord says to the woman, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. <laughs> Women, can you say thank you? I don't know how it was before. 
And I honestly don't know how it is now. I just know that it looked really painful. <laughs> just, just saying. I mean, when, when, when they're saying, Give me the drugs! Take this thing out of me! Or, I hate you! What did you do to me? I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just my wife. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't really remember much about my children. Actually, Gabe was the only one I really was in there. I was in there with the rest, but I wasn't in my head was woohoo. But you can you can say thank you, Eve, because this was it's part of it. How, how does it all work? I, I don't I don't know. It goes on, you shall or you desire your desire shall be for your husband and you will and he shall rule over you. That's something that that that, that get, really gets tripped up on. Basically what we can understand there, there's gonna be conflict. There's gonna be strife. Everybody's going to want to be in control, and there's going to be some, some in your marriage, there's going to be tension. Anybody that says that a, a, a marriage is going to be perfect, and it's going to, no, just be married more than five days, and you can understand, like, holy crap, what did I do? What did I do? I mean, she is such a sinner. <laughs> and then she's in the other room. He is, oh my goodness, I don't even think a sinner is a good word for him. He's beyond, he's beyond that. So there will be strife within the marriage. He said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree in which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground. This is where creation was affected in this as well. Cursed is the ground because of you. In, the pain, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat of the plants of, of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken and for for you are dust and to dust you shall return what we see here is a result of sin we see these judgments that have incur, incurred uh, but what we also see is that sin separates the result of sin is sin separates and it fractures relationships Primarily, it fractures the relationship in which we have with God. Why? Because God is holy. He's righteous. He's just. Just. He is other. He is outside. He, he cannot be in, this, in, in the presence of sin. What we have to understand is when we sin, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're fracturing that relationship. Now, some will say, well, you know, I'm saved. I, I, I'm once saved, always saved. And, you know, I can't. I can't jump out of the hand or I can't fall out of the hand of the Lord. I, I get that. There's, there, it, think about it this way. On, on a very humanistic level, maybe this isn't the best uh, example for you, but there is nothing that I can do to not be my father's son. Right? Not, not, nothing. It doesn't matter. I can go up and I can pull his mustache. Or, I, I mean, when he was sick, we tried to cut it off and everything, so... He's very, he's very sensitive about his facial hair. Don't understand it. It's weird. Um, I know. Um, <laughs> the awesome thing is when he, he was watch, or a house watching our, our fire and doing our, our outdoor wood burner, uh, he, he didn't realize that sometimes it flashes, and he actually singed his, his mustache. <laughs> it was awesome. But anywho, uh, I cannot do anything to not be my father's son. But what I can do is I can cause stress and I can cause friction and I can cause uh, um, this animosity. I can cause these problems, these issues, these wedges to get inside our relationship. So what I don't want us to hear is like every time you sin, you fall out of relationship with God if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. I am not saying that you lose your salvation. What I'm saying is you're making the relationship in which you have with the Lord, just get, it's, it's harder and harder because you're, you're jamming things in between. If I were to bring my wife up on stage, which she would never do because she's a scaredy cat, and if I were to bring her up and I would just start taking pieces, just, just something stupid like pieces of wood and putting between us, we would start to be, pushed, be being pushed further and further and further and further apart. Or if I wanted to kiss her, she's so far apart from me I can't because there's so much in between us. That's what sin does. Sin separates us. It doesn't take us out of relationship. It just makes our relationship marred and distorted. So when we think about this, we think about what sin does on, on any level. What sin primarily does is it, it causes wedges to be jammed in between you and your heavenly Father. 
So sin fractures, sin separates, it fractures relationship. Not only does it fracture and separate us from in relationships and make relationship hard with, with our, our Heavenly Father, the, the vertical uh, relationship, the horizontal relationship is affected as well. Why is there tension and strife and anger and everything? It's because sin has entered into the world. And, and that's the thing is we, we've got to deal with this. We've got to be able to, to look at it, call it what it is. And, and this is... This is, this is If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. Work on your sin before you work on your spouse's sin. Work on your sin before you work on your kid's sin. Work on your sin before you work on your friend's sin. I can can continue on and on and on. What we need to do is we need to work on on our sin and and, and, uh, uh, that, that relationship in which we're having between us and God before we even start with anybody else. What does that mean? That well, I just that's all I got. No, 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 no. What I don't want you to do is just go into a silo mode and oh, it's just me and God. And that's not what I'm saying. This is part, remember what I told you at the beginning, there's like black and white, but there's some gray too. This is like that gray area where we have to be able to, to be working on our sin with, with, with the Father, but at the same time enacting the Alelon principle, the one another's. Love one another, serve one another, welcome one another, all of them. So is it, do this, do this? No, it's kind of like, and I think that Dan, he he told us well this morning as we were getting ready to leave small group, it's messy. Especially, now I know that this might be a surprise to you, especially when you get a bunch of sinners in the room, it's really messy. Everybody wants to do it their way. Well, that's what we have to understand is, is that we need to do it God's way. Not Lee's way, not the elder's way, not the church's way. No, we need to do things God's way. Because His way doesn't change. And what we have to understand is when we come together, it gets messy. It can get messy. Why does it get messy? It's because we need to deal with sin in our lives. When we don't deal with sin, it just compounds. And it causes, it's the root it causes things to grow and manifest that shouldn't grow and manifest. Sin separates. I've got to get to this last one here. I've got five minutes. I hate when I do this. It is what it is, though. The last one. We talked about the reality of sin. We talked about the result of sin. This is the best. The response to sin. Because God responds to the sin of Adam and Eve here. And He does this in a way in which is beautiful. He says in verse 20, it says in verse 20, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east end of the garden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. I love that we see that God kicked him out of the garden. Whoa, that doesn't seem very loving. No, that was, that was one of the most loving things that God could have done. Wait a second, but they could have taken of the tree of life and lived forever. Who would want to, and ask yourself this honestly, who would want to live forever in a sinful body, a sinful creation? I know that we fight to live, and I'm not, please don't, do not hear me saying that we should all end our life because, no, 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 no. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to the doctor and be, no, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that, God, in His grace and His mercy, provided us a way in which we can escape this when it is time in which He is to call us home. When He calls us home, we will escape this. If we're a believer in in, in Christ and we put our trust in Him, we will escape this, this, this evil, this sinful creation, this world. There is an escape. But if God were to leave Adam and Eve in the garden, they were to take of that tree, they would have lived forever sinfully. And it wouldn't be fun. But what he did is he, he kicked him out. 
Not only did he kick him out, look what he did. He, he put a cherubim, he put a, a heavenly being at the entrance with a big sword. Not just any sword, a flaming sword. And it said it turned every. Why did he do that? So when Adam and Eve tried to go back in, well, we can, we can outsmart him. We'll go back, and go, go back and get this tree. No, God provided an obstacle so they couldn't go back. They couldn't go back. But that's not the biggest part, the biggest part here. The biggest show of grace, and I, and I put here in your notes that um, the response to sin here, God's response is that grace gathers. Grace gathers because, because of God's grace. It says that He um, sacrificed an animal. There in, in verse uh, 21, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. It doesn't say that He sacrificed. It doesn't say He killed an animal. Maybe He made... No, 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 no. He, he was done creating at this point. What he did is he shed blood to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. Well, why did he do that? Because God said that if you take of this tree, you will surely die. If you sin, you have to the, 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 the payment, the wages, and I love how, how Paul says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. For the wages of sin. So something has to die. This is, this is a foreshadowing of, of the Old Testament sacrificial system and, and everything. It was a foreshadowing. And then the, 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 the sacrificial system is, is a foreshadowing of what Christ was going to do here in the, in the New Testament after He comes. What we have to look at here. The show of grace is He shed blood. God shed blood to cover, to cover them. What this, what this pictures is what Christ has done for us. He has shed His blood. An innocent lamb was slain. The response in which, which God had to sin, or to sin, was to send His Son to be, and I love the word propitiation, the, the satisfying atonement for His wrath. Because the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 goes on, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what we have to understand is what, what is God's response to Adam and Eve's sin? It's providing a way in which they can be restored. That way is something that only they, or I should say, that only He can provide. Remember, Adam and Eve cannot go back because there's, there's something that stands in the way between them and eternal life. It's that flaming sword. Think of it this way. There is something that stands in between us as sinful humanity and a holy God. It's a, it's a, a, a great chasm that we cannot cross. But God provides a way, and the way in which He provides it is from His side. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. God provides from His side. Remember uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Love that 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 scene in there where Indy's dad is like he's dying and Indy's got to go and he comes out to the the, the 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 cliff. He comes out that 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 little hole and it's like whoa! There's this huge chasm that he's facing. Everybody tracking with me? And he's like, there's there's a, there's a, a, an entryway on the other side. But there's this huge chasm that's in, in between. And what does he have to do? And, and if you watch the movie, he's got to, he's got to take that, that, that leap of faith, that step of faith. And he just, without seeing this, he just takes that step. And when he takes that step, there's a bridge that's actually there. But you can't see it because it's kind of like that optical illusion type thing. I, I envision us there. That the other side, that's God, and he, He's provided this way to us. What we have to do is we got to put our faith and our trust in Christ that He's there. And then we have to step. That step is our, our response because of what sin, what sin did and because of what sin is and how it entered into the world. Our response is saying, God, I'm going to trust You. I'm going to trust You and, and, and I'm going to put my faith in you, so I'm going to take that step. I'm going to rely on you that even though I know that I mess things up, that the way in which I can get back to you and the way in which I can have this relationship with you is by taking that step 
And that step is, what, is putting your faith and your trust in what Christ has done and what He has accomplished on the cross. Being the one who can cover our sins. Our sins are not just erased. No, they're covered with the blood of Christ. That's the Gospel. That's what we have to understand. Is like Because sin entered into the world, God gave His Son. That was the plan. He gave His Son. He sacrificed the, thing that was mo- the one that was most precious to Him. He gave His Son so that we can be restored into th- that image. The image of God in which He created us in. Let's pray. Our Father God, we do thank You, Lord, as we have uh, looked at this um, doctrine of sin. My prayer is that, um, that we can uh, be able to glean what it is that You, you want us to understand really truly. The, the fact that um, sin is real um, and there's a result to it, that it's not just, ah, it doesn't matter. No, it matters immensely. But because even though the, the, this is going to happen and there's going to be rebellion, You're going to call out for us. And as You call out for us, God... My prayer is that our response is a, I'm going I'm to take that step. God, if there's someone here that hasn't taken that step, that hasn't surrendered themselves to You, saying, God, I, I don't really understand all, but you know what? I'm going to put my trust in You because I, I, I want to have that eternal life, and I know I can't get there on my own. I can, only do, I can only do that. I can only get there. I can only be with You by what You have provided. By Your shed blood, Jesus. God, if there's someone here that needs that, then God, I just pray that You work in their hearts. For others of us, God, I just I pray that, that as we are on that bridge and we're, we're, we can't see it, that we're, we're just focusing on, on You and we're walking straight towards You. That we're not letting fear creep in and, 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 and letting that control our life. No, we're just keeping our eyes on You. So Father, as we, as we get ready to, to, to end today, um, Lord, I just ask You to continue to work in our, in our hearts. Work in us, stir in us. Just provoke us to do more for You. Lord Jesus, we pray this in Your name. Amen.